A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. The podcast is brought to you by Levi Solicitors, who will do you a 10% discount on your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. And as we're coming to the end of September, 15% on conveyancing instructions that expires at the end of September. So to take advantage of that, move quickly. I'm Dan Moylan. With me is Michael Normanton. Hello. So's Moscow White as well. Daniel Chapman. Hello. This one, Propaganda, is the podcast where we find out what's been said about Leeds United, both by you and by the opposition fans. Don't forget, we've got the audio version. We've also got the YouTube version. So you can watch our reactions in, in real time and you can see our silly faces on the screen. First, we will get the Leeds United fan opinion from our TSB Plus subscribers. They sent us their feedback on the match ball show in the wake of the West Ham game at the weekend. These are the things that they picked out, the stuff that we should be talking about. Um, and I want to start on, well, this show has basically become attack the presenter whose opinion you disagree with, which I'm all for when it's you two, but when it's me, don't like it. I'm yet to find anyone um, who objects to hard kicking. So I'm fine. I think it's it's you two. It's because you're a simpleton, Michael. Uh, Johnny B wanted to be positive about this, which I think is good to be positive. Uh, he says, Dan was way too depressed on the match ball. Yes, it was very disappointing to lose right at the death and we deserved the point, but the display was the best so far. We're getting there. Listen to Moscow. The only thing is, I mean, don't forget, we recorded that at, what, 5.30 and I'd witnessed a hammer blow, last minute defeat, what, 40 minutes prior to that. I don't know what exactly you expected out of me on the match ball, apart from uh, a bit of sadness. Well, it was at the same game. I know you were. And to be fair, my mum did text me afterwards, uh, having watched the live stream of the match ball, and said, you are right. But <laughs> you seem a little bit down. I was like, yeah, I'm fine, it's just a football. A result, it does always swing that last, that that mood though, doesn't it? Like, if we can play really badly, but if you score a last minute winner, you'd be all, yeah, we'd, we'd be have, coming in and bouncing. Oh, it'd have been so. great, wouldn't it? Yeah. But as it was, we did play pretty well overall and they're a good side as well it wasn't like when we had to get a point at Newcastle and we left thinking but they're terrible we really should beat them right I, I think a, a draw would have been well it's what I was hoping for before the game and we were so so close to it we were and a lot of the comments are either on one side of the fence or the other it's the the fear or the positivity and plenty of people have said there's plenty to be positive about despite the start to the season as well as Johnny's comment there was Aidan Pete Jack Adsham uh, Andrew Steve all saying look chin up it's fine, it'll be fine. Well, they tend to agree with you, Moscow. It's going to be fine, isn't it? I think so. I, I mean, it's what you set it against. I don't think we will get relegated. Therefore, everything that happens between now and May is just an experience. Mm. <laughs> it's not an enjoyable one, though, is it? Well, <laughs> I mean, this is it. I, like, the word optimism keeps getting thrown at me. And I don't think my view on it is optimistic 
in the slightest because the way I'm approaching the season is remembering that last season we didn't win in 20 matches. So even if this season is as good as last season was, which everybody loved and enjoyed, we've still got another 14 winless games ahead of us, minimum. Mm, that feels like a lot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's but, just the, the coming, they're coming in a bunch, Moscow, and I don't really like but it. But that's in order to have a season as good as last year, which everybody would be happy about. And we're probably, the indications are that this year is not going to be as good as last year. We might not get up to ninth again. Mm. Although, you know, are Brighton going to finish in the top seven? Or is that going to return to some kind of normality? Are Brentford going to keep upsetting everybody in the second half of the season? There's lots of things can happen between now and May. But one thing that will happen between now and May is Leeds will lose loads. Like, even if it's comparable to last season, we've got another 12 defeats ahead of us. So I've not got an optimistic outlook. I've got a realistic outlook about how many games we have to not win because of the, the season that we will have. And even the season that we are excited about having involves getting hammered and beaten all over the place. We're not actually getting hammered. We're getting, you know, losing in small, annoying ways while playing good football. And that's the other side of it is I'm trying not to ignore the the games that we're watching, particularly at Elland Road after, you know, nearly two years of not being able to go there at all, are really good. And some of that is part of the 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 fearfulness because you think, well, we can't let teams keep shooting at Melier. Although actually I'm happy if they keep shooting at Melier because he'll save them all. But you know, if his nose ends up somewhere across the postcode in Hunslet if Antonio's messing with him again then I'd rather we weren't shooting at uh, any other of our, our goalkeepers. But it's fun. I mean, it's exciting. It, uh, I didn't watch the um, City-Chelsea game, Manchester City-Chelsea game. I couldn't remember if it was Leicester well or Chester you. that played against them. That's it. Put your typewriters down. You don't need to write angry letters now. <laughs> but listening to people talk about that top-of-the-table clash between two title challenges, what seems to have happened is that Manchester nullified London and stopped them from playing, scored a goal, and then that was basically the match done. Whereas Leeds games, end-to-end, shots at goal, chances, good players playing well, our keeper making brilliant saves, us having chances and missing them frustratingly. And then in the 90th minute, you still don't know who's going to win. And one of the other things that people are are talking about is that, that second half fade, which I'm still confused about because everybody is saying, and I get it, and they must be right, I'm you know, I'm frequently wrong about these things. So I listen to what people are, are saying to us about this. Except us too. And what everybody's saying about it is that Leeds faded in the second half and would, and even Bielsa's like, we stopped trying to go for the win and that cost us. But the goal came, we had eight, I was going to say, didn't we have like, everyone up there? We had eight players level or ahead of the ball and we got caught on the break and it was a, we were crossing the ball into the box trying to win. And it wasn't an isolated incident like the 10 minutes before we conceded. We were attacking, maybe not with the not as well as we were in the first half. I think that was the the difference. But we were still, even though Rafinha had gone off, we were getting down the right. It was Roberts playing the ball in for Shackleton to drive into the box, and then Click goes over and crosses in, and Rodrigo has a a chance. So there was there was little bits in there, but it never looked to me as if we'd stopped trying or as if we'd stopped going for the win. And you know, I came out of the ground thinking. I almost wish we had shut up shop that we'd gone, you know, get everybody back, everybody behind the ball, just clear it, keep Antonio out, stop West Ham from coming at us. And then everybody, including Bielsa, is saying, 
no, no, we were too defensive. So I don't know what the hell's going on. He, yeah, but he doesn't. That's why necessarily I shouldn't be listened to. What does Bielsa know? That's the question. Uh, actually, your um, what you described there, Moscow, Daniel Barthorpe has been in touch to put uh, what sounds like a fancy scientific term on this. So Barthorpe, uh, who's exiled in Stoke-on-Trent, says it's called recency bias. And a lot of the worry this season is based on a very small fraction of last season. It's just a small number of games is what he's basically saying. As a fan base, we are acting like we strolled it last season rather than at times being just as worried up until around March and April, which is a fair point. We were There was a lot of anxiety until we knew we were home and hosed. Yeah, I think the thing last year was we never had to see ourselves in the bottom three or even particularly close to it. This is when someone will say, oh, actually, we were 17th once, but we never felt in there, did we? But the truth is that a single win at the moment takes us out of there and that looks fine and everyone feels much better about it because you can go oh we're we're 14th or whatever we'd be instead which is it is still you know a defeat and some wins or someone else winning away from us being back down there but we just not had that yet and it's only right that people are concerned we've not won a game yet because Mm. although it has been a tough start there have been winnable games in there and it's kind of frustrating that we haven't and it feels like at the end of last season which is what he's talking about there with what we're comparing it to we probably would have won at least one or two of these games. So there's the anxiety there from it. But overall, I was quite encouraged by by Saturday. I thought we were. I thought we we could have been and should have been two 0 up and cruising to a winner if Click had put that that chance in or squared it to Harrison or whatever he should have done with it. We should have scored at yeah. that point. And Rafinha hits the post in the first half as well, which could make it two. It, it, there were chances there for us, and I know they had chances too. But um, I think we had we've got Melia in mm-hmm. the end. But a lot of their their chances now. are Defensive throat, you know, and I was thinking what you were saying that about last season and what our, um, the person who wrote in was saying about last season, recency bias, like a lot's being made about Melier making the most saves out of any goalkeeper in the Premier League at the moment. It's exactly where we were last year. He was third in the end for saves in the Premier League, although that leads, the, it's the squad stats. So there's that one game that you see it played behind West Brom, Sheffield United. They had the most, and then it was us. One save in it between us and um, Sheffield United. So we're basically where we were last year, where we are reliant on a superstar goalkeeper, keeping a lot of these um, shots out. But also, they're not really dangerous shots. They're good shots, but a lot of what West Ham were doing was outside our box, midfielders shooting from distance and Melier saving. That is Which borne is, out in the stats, is that as well? It is all long-range shots we're facing, yeah. a lot of them. like So it, we seem happy to, when we're doing that man-to-man thing, drop back to the edge of our area. We noticed it a lot on Saturday, actually. Drop back, get the shape, pick out your man, and it's better to field shots from the edge of the area, I guess, than it is to um, to have them yeah. in a six-yard box. And especially when, given that our defence is Junior Furpo, who's brand new, Liam Cooper, the captain, Charlie Creswell making his debut, and Jamie Shackleton, who's he's never really had a run-up. Two right children back. and two that are awful. They're all finished. <laughs> so, but they're doing very well to keep us out to that extent. And you can't really, um, the goal, the first one is Furpo's just gone marking on the wrong side of the pitch. And then we don't fill over enough to stop bowing. And then obviously, of course, it's two deflections that send the ball in because we just, I don't think we're getting much luck either. And that seems like the, uh, the last defense of a, of a team that's going to get relegated is go, oh, we just don't get the luck. But we didn't, know. we didn't cover just how, Badly deflected that goal was because I mean you had your little telly obviously Moscow but the the plebs 
I think us you can to, say it. We can bring to, the bell when other people. <laughs> us two bring had not seen a replay, but yeah, I mean that's not going anywhere near the goal, probably, no. is it? Until it, it hits, it goes off Coop and then onto Furpo's ass, doesn't it? Basically, when we lose, I refuse to. I refuse to watch replays. I've, so I've not seen it, so I can't. <laughs> okay. give you, no, no, I will, I will, I will not watch yeah. it. It might make you feel a bit better anyway, because it's mm. it's a freak. That's there's that, no way. It's not a chance created. It's nothing. It's I mean, a, the other goal is just. It's a good touch by Antonio to get past Shackleton, and we've just. The mess up is leaving him one versus one against the tiniest player that we have, and that was never going to be won by Shackleton. Bless him, he was good apart from that. Well, people don't come here for reasoned opinions. They come to the internet for anger and stupid opinions that That's they can get the fu- rest of the inf- internet. infuriated about. But um, just before we move on to um, slinging mud at Antonio, because he should have been sent off, I think what it is for me is the resetting of the expectation now, because we finished last season on such a high. And I've realised that this season, as good as it gets, is probably about a mid-table finish. And I think resetting that expectation has been a reality check. And it's just a bit disheartening, isn't it? And I think that's what we found against like Liverpool when we um, recorded in the wake of that. It's it's kind of it's a bit of a miserable place as the Premier League compared to being at the top of the Championship and running away with it. I do understand what people mean when they say it's a hateful place. And then you know we're recording having learned this morning about the Super League teams not getting any punishment that's all been overturned it's like well and they're talking about doing the 39th game overseas again and all that kind of stuff you think well really is is this what we have to deal with but then you look at the alternative and that is just a hateful mess as the championship and also we were very close to really enjoying Saturday like it was a really good atmosphere in there we scored one good goal we nearly scored some others and if we'd have come in having won that we're not, probably not looking at the negative of going, oh, Premier League's rubbish, isn't it? We're just really happy to have seen a, an entertaining game that Leeds United have won. And it can be, it, you know, you can lose games like that in the Championship and it's worse. Mm. It's much worse. And the, that sort of reality reset is possibly one of the things that will keep us in this division rather than do a Sheffield United and submit to this second season syndrome because all along the club have, been saying it's two seasons and they keep talking about the stats for teams that get relegated before two seasons. 50-50 isn't it? Yep and they've said that's why the imbalance of investment that turned out frustrating this summer where we spent so much last summer to get a team that's good for the next two years and you can see that now if, if Rodrigo plays like this for the rest of the season then he's got he's done what we wanted where it's the injury and COVID affected last year and then he kicks on in a second Bielsa season but invest for two seasons because that's what we need to do to keep in the league. But don't go crazy about trying to qualify for Europe. It could, and the the midfield debate comes down to this sometimes. Where yeah, we could have spent thirty million on a midfielder that, that might have fitted the bill. Rodrigo de Paul, for example. Yep, and we'd feel really excited about it and think that would be the player that gets kicks us into the the next places, gets us qualifying for Europe. But the um, where we've ended up is going, well, if we the, we couldn't get one of the midfielders we felt we could afford that we wanted, so we're going with the players that kept us in the division last year and not losing our heads about, you know, spending a lot of money that we may not have if we get relegated. If we get relegated, having not spent £30 million on the midfielder, it's a calculation rather than, and I suppose what I'm um, responding to here is the, the people who are describing it as criminal and negligent. Um, and I think it's a, it's a calculation based more on that survival is the plan rather than going into Europe is the plan. So we've got enough to survive and we proved that last season. We've just got to get through this season to survive. And then it may be interesting to see which midfielders are available 
next summer. I mean, I guess we'll do this on the uh, on the main weekly show, but uh, the whole midfield debate as we're terming it there. Probably not helped by having a really thin-skinned owner in relation to uh, to Adam Forshaw, but we'll. Uh, but there's a lot of thin-skinned fans about that as well, because I know. But the difference is, we don't own the club, uh, and it's you know, it's what it sets off when. While we're on the midfield anyway. as well, actually, a, a couple of people, Dave and Paul, did both mention Phillips as well, who he was not as good as he normally is. He was not terrible by any stretch, but he, I think, him being a bit below par, he's not. We've got used to him being sort of eight, nine out of ten every week, haven't we? And he was probably more like six. Mm. against West Ham. He did get caught a few so. times, as Dave points out, actually. And against Newcastle, and against Fulham. That's why I was asking you... you sell at, him, you're saying? Yeah, basically. That's why I was asking you at, at Newcastle, because it was unusual watching him get tackled in our box and then not turn up on the edge of um, the penalty area to stop St Maximin. And then at Fulham, that pass straight out of our penalty area to the feet of one of their players just looked very un-Phillips-like, and that's why it started having that question in my mind. And, and then, conversely... You know, I'm not deliberately trying to be obtuse, but I didn't come out of the game on Saturday thinking he'd been particularly dreadful. I thought it was fine, but a little bit under par. But then Dallas has been a little bit under, under par. I thought Click was great, and um, I didn't have a problem with anything Click did um, during the game. Well, uh, Ralph, Ralph the, the shot is well, obviously a different matter. Ralph backs up this opinion. He says he's uh, Phil and Moscow's West Stand friend. Ralph, do you know Ralph? Oh, yeah, I know Ralph. <laughs> good, good bloke. Ralph's great. Yeah, I mm-hmm. love Ralph. Right. Do you know what he looks like? Can you describe him to us? Well, if you picture the most Ralph-looking Ralph uh-huh. uh, that has ever been named I'm, Ralph. A picture's forming in my head. Now, well, yeah. then you know what he looks like. That's uh, Ralph. Yeah, you big, know Ralph. Big R dog. Yeah, yeah. Ralph. He says, uh, Dan criticised Phillips, but it was Dallas and Click who went missing at the end of the game, and it meant that we had no yeah. out ball or pressing. Ralph frequently wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dallas was went quiet, but even then, so just before we conceded, I think it was... Ben Rama breaking over halfway and Phillips, I think, no, I think it was Dallas went first, couldn't quite catch him, but then Phillips and Click bore down. And it was one of those classic kind of um, leads when they hunt down players with minutes to go events because it was, okay, if Dallas can't quite get to him, here's two more coming in and we'll get the ball off him. So the energy was still there. It just, I don't know if it was necessarily being uh, used in the the best way. And it's interesting them. Antonio, I don't know if you saw his post-match comments. I think we we kind of tune some of this out sometimes because it sounds quite um, boring and, you know, oh, they always say that and we lost anyway, but it doesn't matter. But his post-match assessment of playing against us was he said, um, I've never run a marathon, but that is the closest thing. That's how I see it. It was so hard. They play man versus man, so they keep going and working right to the end. They are tireless. You run until you can't run anymore. So to come away with three points is quality. The feeling I have is relief. The problem is, though, we know they'll lose the next game because that's what everybody does. So they spend all their energy on us and then they're knackered for the next game. But which it's, is bollocks. Stop doing it. Run out of energy against us. But it's interesting to set that against... We deserve better. ...against our feeling that, oh, God, all our players were tired by the end. Whereas Michael Antonio, who is, you know, he doesn't look like he lacks fitness to me, feels he couldn't wait for it to be over. He's relieved it finished. That's the nearest thing he's ever run to a marathon and he'll be happy not to be playing leads next week so it's always some it's not always but it's sometimes useful to kind of take a step back from our leads view of things and see how other people are, are looking at what we're doing especially if they're on the pitch trying to run away from Jamie Shackleton just on clicky by the way in the midfielders um Steve and former Leeds United striker Wayne Andrews have been in touch actually just pointing out the the shooting the only thing I have seen from that entire game since the game is that still 
of Clicky around the penalty spot where he should have put it in and it got deflected wide. Sad. Yeah, it was quite annoying. But, you know, I like that we call him Michael Antonio, by the way. Well, whatever it's, I mean, Mikhail is. Mikhail, does he yeah. Being called, I think. Well, I think that's his name. Do you insist should, on him ang- anglicising his name? I think you should probably call him his, his actual name. I'll try to. I mean, I don't mean to be Michael rude. Anthony. Isn't it, um, Mick Anthony the um, Cambridge sponsors? <laughs> if you say remember. so. Who? There's a couple of people got in touch to say that Antonio should have been um, sent off as well. And I do you think he should? I I, I think it was fine. As I said on the match Well, it wasn't ball, fine because he elbowed yeah. him in the face, but I don't think he'd meant to. Well, whenever you see those, and obviously we were treated to... The funny thing is they don't show controversial replays, but as part of VAR, they then show the incidents after VAR has decided what it's doing, don't they? And they showed an incident that prompted Friend to go and book Antonio because I'm not yet convinced he would have dealt with that unless there hadn't been that visceral reaction in the ground to the elbow. The one thing I would say is what I said on the match ball is he's got his eyes on the ball at all times. He wasn't looking at Melier. It's Mick George. <laughs> Mick George, the sponsor. Yeah, yeah, Mick George sponsors Cambridge. And I don't know if it was the replay that oh, Cambridge changed, United? Uh, yeah. All oh, right. I don't know if it was the replay that changed Kevin Friend's mind, but he also went and had a look at the, the state of Melier's face. And that's a, a little bit concerning like the strike one because I don't think we should be basing refereeing de- decisions on outcomes where it's like, oh, You've drawn blood, therefore that's a yellow card. Whereas if he hadn't, and Melier had basically been fine, but he'd you know just gone oh mm. and stood there, Keeper. then it's not a, a yellow card. And then the same with um, Stroke on Elliot. My bush. If, he, if he hadn't uh, damaged his ankle so badly, then it's not even a foul. But because he dislocated it, it's a it's a red. But the whole friend process with that is one: why didn't he just disallow the goal in the first place? Because it was pretty obvious and then two after seeing the replay on the screen where he immediately thought right that can't happen that's no goal why didn't he book him straight away because he went over to Antonio and this was just friend's way of refereeing the whole game went over to Antonio had a chat with like so yeah I'm not going to allow that goal but um, you're doing well since you've moved from wing back how have you started scoring all these goals and having a good chat with him in there I better go and see how the goalkeeper's doing I know what it is I've got the answer I've got the answer the answer we needed Jurgen Klopp to come and tell him what to do, didn't we? Yeah, I think so. That it did helped. seem like he was waiting for, well, I don't know what he was waiting for, what the final decision was where he's like, right, no, I am actually going to give a, a yellow card for this. And then also, in that case, why it wasn't a red card, because I don't think it was necessarily a red card challenge. It could have been, but then I'm not even, I don't know where Friend has necessarily drawn the line where he's making that decision of like, oh, well, there's loads of blood pouring out of his mouth, so... That's a yellow card. Whereas if I hadn't gone and looked at that, I wasn't going to give anything. Like surely, if there's blood pouring out of his mouth and it's clear how much force this elbow had, we'll give him a red card because that's a bad injury. It's like the Harvey Elliott one. If he'd, if he'd only given a, you know, if it was a sprain, well, that's a yellow. But you know, yeah. oh, it looked really bad and we can't show a replay. Therefore, it's a red. And it's. I don't think you should be um, refereeing on on the outcomes. He barged into his face with an elbow, book him straight away. Well, that's the thing I was going to say um, on the refereeing stuff. It was Graham and Elliot who, who picked out um, Friend and his uh, his refereeing techniques. I was joking earlier saying it should have been a red card. I don't actually think it is. Not by the standards I grew up with. That's my frame of reference. I think it is probably. It's a, it's a hard yellow because he has smashed his face in with a leading elbow, but I don't think he intended to do it. But with reference to that, I grew up watching a game where decisions were blown and refereed immediately, like you're saying. And now there seems to have just become this window where... You're not quite sure what's going to happen between point A and point B because they've got VAR and he's then got time to go look at the replay. 
And is he is he being influenced by the replay and the reaction Which is of the crowd? Maybe fair enough because he's got that as a tool, but then that again comes down to the pacing of the game. Why don't you start trundling over there straight away? Go right. I didn't see what happened there, but I know there's a little robot in the side of the pitch that I can go and see. But instead, he stands there for ages, going, "I'm going to wait to be told if I need to see that again." Just go over and have a look at the telly if you want to know more about it. And just on the game you grew up with, the game we both grew up with. I mean, that would have been a good goal for Lee Chapman, wouldn't it? <laughs> Jack Charlton's got, Jack Charlton's got every single goal in his career by do, doing that. He's carrying that goalkeeper into the net, isn't stand he? on the line and leather him until the ball's in the net. But I felt like it looked like a foul from the cop, which is a long way from there. And he felt like friend was just, he just had it in the back of his mind, probably. Like, I don't want to blow and disallow this straight away because if there's a goal scored and then it's not, it's not a foul, I'll have West Ham on my back. So I guess it's there as a safety net, isn't it? To, yeah. to say, well, I'll, We'll have a look at it, obviously. It's just that I, th- I think where it's maybe slightly worrying is that the bar for what VAR will look at this season has changed a lot. So maybe a referee will not give a decision thinking VAR will pick up on it. A bit like the Daniel James one at Newcastle. Like If, if that's given as a penalty, there's no way VAR would say to him, you've made a mistake there, you need to go and look at it. But obviously they didn't judge it to be enough of a mistake to tell him to go and look at it. So it's, it's, I guess you referees are maybe not refereeing a game exactly as they see it because they think a safety net is there, but they don't. They probably don't quite know where that is positioned at the moment. So it is difficult, and I do have a degree of sympathy for referees because it feels like they're just constantly pissing around with things at the moment, so it's, it can't be easy. And the final point then, let's finish on a positive note in this section. Cresswell, he was brilliant, and he's going to be brilliant, and he will lead England to World Cup glory. <laughs> have I overreached? And Liam Cooper was good alongside him. And he will lead him to Scottish World Cup it's glory. Going to be England versus Scotland in the final. It's uh, <laughs> Who said this? It's Wayne Andrews again, our um, former striker. I thought, especially when I watched the game back, Creswell and Cooper were kind of sharing Antonio. And he's a good striker and he's a handful and they, they both did well against him. And I don't know if um, if having Creswell there kind of brought the the best out of Cooper because he's got like a young player that he needs to keep an eye on and so he's, he's raising his own game. But given... That's he's got a young player he can he can tell to go and challenge the big man up front for yeah. West Ham. <laughs> you go and attack him. But given the defence, okay, we conceded two in the end, I suppose. But I think that's the other thing to remember about this run of form is that the injuries we have, they do in the one sense highlight our lack of squad depth, and that's been mentioned by several people. Um whose names as I scroll I can't <laughs> find, but they did say this. I'm sorry for not giving you the shout out. But that's, that's kind of a, a general view, isn't it, that we're seeing. Um, Aiden, there's one, squad depth. Well, no a- Angus, Angus K as well, <laughs> which uh, alarm bells. <laughs> I, think you'll, um, I think you'll see why he's chosen that username in the, the next part of the podcast in the Heroes and Villains nominations. But the other, I don't think it is actually the Angus K we are necessarily thinking of. But the other side to this is the players who have been injured and missing, you know, Spanish international centre-back, German international centre-back, Bamford, England international, Harrison's had COVID, everything. So, ailing, key player for us for three seasons and is now injured for however long or at least he missed that game. So, we're not. it's not like reserves are getting injured. It's the first team core of the squad getting hurt. But then, remember last season, Liverpool, they lost two central defenders and shit themselves. And you saw them in January where they're scrabbling around trying to sign that kid from Preston on deadline day because they can't decide do we buy somebody do we do we not what do we do and they ended up losing the league not getting anywhere in the Champions League um, everybody's crying there's misery on Merseyside it was horrendous time for all of them 
Leeds last season, we start with a defensive crisis. We go get Stroik. Not a problem. This season, defensive crisis. We go get Charlie Craswell. Problem. So what we're saying is it's not the Champions League for us this season, but Europa League. And that's fine. It's going to have to be if we're going to keep hold of Charlie Craswell because he can't be playing at this dreadful level for too long, can he? He's better than this. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Propaganda, the show where we find out what's been said about Leeds United. Now in part two, let's get the Cockney reaction from West Ham. Way. I have uh, not seen any of this because I refuse when we lose to indulge in any form of reaction to our games. Or show preparation. It's what makes it organic and natural, Moscow. Don't talk me down. Way. What is uh, what is to be found here, Michael? Um, fruit and veg. Fruit, yep, fruit and veg. <laughs> Apples uh, and pears. Jelly deals, cockles. Welks. Loving one's mum. Other, other seafood that, I don't know, other people don't eat. Seems to only be cockneys, doesn't it? A nice day at the seaside. <laughs> at South End? If, that, if they've got a seaside. <laughs> I think they have. No, they, they were all right, actually, the West Ham. I struggled to find any um, properly unhinged ones. I think they've just stayed, even though they've been a Premier League team for a while, I think they've stayed below that level where they've attracted a new breed of yeah. unhinged. Don't, I mean, don't let that silly stadium confuse you because I, mean, I, I, I still yeah I still consider them Upton Park it's not that nonsense yeah I, mean, I, mean, I presume one the, day they'll the, go back there the stadium is something that the fans don't like and that's to their credit I think that they've not got on board with it yeah when you're too busy trying to dismantle a former Olympic stadium and fight all the stewards you haven't really got time to do a little post-match video on your phone have you anyway what we got uh, this is the West Hamway which I've not actually the included. West Hamway exactly <laughs> Bobby Moore we won a World Cup and all that Frank Lampard <laughs> But this is in because I've not actually included a clip of them talking about the game because they just said it was good and they enjoyed it. Uh, they thought they deserved to win, which, yeah, you know, it's not massively controversial, is it? But instead, I've just put in a little clip of the their intro music because it's the most the most cockney thing imaginable. Oh, it's like if looking forward to it'd this. be like if we dum, made dum, 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 dum. <laughs> it'd be like if we made a fake West Ham cockney intro. Listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Boy, <laughs> I love that. 
I think that justifies every funny voice I've been doing yeah, for the last two minutes. Yeah, it really does. Because I thought we were being lazy there, nope. and just indulging in lazy tropes. No, nope. I've heard that. Oi, oi! Hey! Is he wearing his pearly king? <laughs> ah, lovely. Great. Coming around the corner, I know, and they're leading an awesome car. Oh, we just need to pause the recording. My whippet's just outside. I just need to go, uh, go feed her. Uh, anyway, next one. West Ham TV, which is a YouTube thing. So this is uh, a bloke outside the stadium chatting to people, uh, as in Ellen Road Stadium, not um, not the Olympic Stadium, which is a weird shopping centre during the week, isn't it, when there's no football going on there? There's just an uh, expansive... There's a, big, there's a big slide. You saw Guns N' Roses there. I did. That was fine. They're not there not, the not on the slide, though. I mean, in the, in the stadium. <laughs> yes. Although, although Axel may have gone down the slide. We don't know that for a fact. He's quite a big boy now. I'm not sure he'd um, necessarily fit down that the tube. It'd probably be a good place to do those kind of post-match stuff, the Westfield, because mm. you'd sit outside Pizza Hut or something and <laughs> chat about the game instead of, because I saw a bit of these, they're kind of, because they've only got that compound outside the West End to play with the kind of purge between yeah. the, the turnstiles and the, the banqueting suite, whereas if you could, you know, sit down at, uh, name a chain restaurant. Um, uh, est, est, est. Could, yeah. <laughs> There you go. I don't know how I could not name a single chain restaurant. Prezzo. You can, yeah, you could find a nice uh, little seat outside Cafe Rouge. Yep. And Which has gone bust. I think yeah. Cafe Rouge might have gone bust. Wimpy. All right, Cafe Patisserie. Yeah. Wendy's. Valerie Patisserie. Valerie, Patisserie. That's, that's gone bust as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, since Woolworths. Um, Amy Winehouse VHS. hasn't been running Valerie. Does that even... Yeah, he does. It does sort of scan. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. I mean, it was the Zooton song originally, but let's not get into that. No, oh, well, they're yeah. never going to run a cafe, though, are they? Why don't you come up? Patisserie Valley? No. Yeah. Anyway. We could have saved them. Well, it might be for sale. Should we buy out of our No. Name? Let's get on with the show. Speaking of money on Derby. Speaking <laughs> of failed um, failed restaurant ventures, I'm not sure it was quite visible on this one, but I know in the Liverpool one, you could just see the little glimpse of Howard's on mm. the in the background, the um, the Ken Bates upscale restaurant Folly. In, in downtown Beeston, um, which, which didn't quite work out. Is that a bar for the Away fans now? Is that all it's used for? I think so, yeah. It was being used... In the promotion season at the start of it and halfway through the season before for post-match press conferences. Wasn't it a changing room last season? Yes, it was. Yeah. So the, it was part of that last season, although they've now built um, they've double stacks and porter cabins yeah. in that area now to, to resolve all I that. Just, but, I just yeah. love the idea of like away players, you know, they're getting changed in there. There's, I don't know, soiled jock straps getting thrown around in, in uh, Howard's, which is what I'm sure Ken Bates envisaged when... Uh, <laughs> When he had the place converted, it, it looked like his favourite restaurant in um, in Monaco, which is mental. Because it, when I went in there for the first few Bielsa press conferences, before essentially what happened was like too many backpackers from France were getting in um, and asking these really long, convoluted questions. Um, so they basically said, "Right, proper press only." And that's when you were turfed out. That's when I was turfed out. But whatever, I was and, and rightly so. All I was doing was standing there and just staring at Melie, uh, Melier, staring at Bielsa. Like I can't believe. <laughs> So I, you know, I got everything I needed out of it. But yeah, it's just like a, a dingy bar with kind of like wood panelling and um, and a really low ceiling as well because it is it's the ground floor of a football stand that was built in 1957. So people were shorter then, weren't they? They were, and it had a kind of a sunken. It's hard to work. There was a bit of an illusion of a sunken floor because it was underneath. That's uh, where the bodies are buried. An octagonal fake skylight that had been built to to give it this sort of fake ship vibe. I've never been on a cruise ship, but it had that kind of, they tried to build that cruise ship idea. But then, you know, you look at the the bar in this wonderful high-class restaurant and it's just got Foster's, Johnsmith's and Strongbow 
hand pulls there and it wasn't um, it didn't strike me as the most upmarket place I feel like we've gone a little bit off piste but let's let's come back on a little bit yeah. this, this is outside the ground anyway so the, he's chatting to uh, your West Ham TV man is chatting to someone about, <laughs> some, <laughs> about, about some, something someone about something about their day at Ellen Road People quite like Ellen Road is it because Liverpool fans enjoyed it. I mean, admittedly, it's probably because we keep letting teams win. He was torn us some slag, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> had some slag outside the ground. <laughs> and listen, the support again was uh, was formidable. We don't do nothing. So, you know, for, I'm going to be fair to from both sides. I thought. Yeah, but you know what you get with Leeds. You know yeah. what I mean, they take five and a half hours on a Wednesday night to Fulham. Yeah. All right, maybe not everyone comes in this area or whatever. They might be Londoners like we see a lot on the train. But they're a very well-supported club. They love their team. And obviously the, the, the boys behind the goal there were, were letting us have it. We were letting them have it. It was a good bit of banter. But yeah, by and large, they're another one of the best-supported sides in the league. So, um, And we're up there with them. So, I mean, we've got, like you say, we've got to uh, take all the positives, which I think there were a lot in the second half. Moore's will have them back again. And then we go again. So enjoy this one hopefully we all get home safe it's a bit of a hostile place to come so um yeah enjoy it let's let's go brilliant cheers marshy thanks mate <coughs> what marshy's done there as well he's gone from talking about the game from a fan's perspective into doing like a post-match interview by a footballer <laughs> so, you know we'll go again the boss lab is ready we'll back in <laughs> Moyes is going to have him back in i'd love the idea that that's maybe an option Moyes is going, nah, I don't want to see him this week <laughs> fine see you next when's the next game see you then he's gone part football manager and then at the end because it's the Cockney stereotype, he's had to go Danny Dyer at the end as well. I hope we get home safe. You know what I mean? So if you uh, <laughs> Novum Mad on me trotters, he was, back to the station. He was quite close as well. He was like, they love their team, love their mums. <laughs> <laughs> What's this about a dildo, by the way? Because I can see the word dildo on the sheet in front come, of me. We'll, we'll, we'll come on to the dildos soon enough as the, as the saying doesn't go. Um, this is another bloke, first of all, that he was chatting to um, outside the ground. You can't rush into a dildo, Dan. We've got to get build up exactly, yeah, exactly. Get, get into it um, yeah. in your own time take your time with it that's yeah. what I would say so this is um, why it, because this guy's in front of it. <laughs> okay. because, because we're still chatting to people outside Ellen Road at this stage and this this guy you can hear why he's pleased with the result to come away to Leeds is not an easy place to come at all yeah. I mean bigger teams have come here and lost yeah, yeah. you know what I think I'm right in saying what Man City Arsenal when do you mean I mean in history. In, it has happened. Yeah. It has happened. I've been there for it. Not for like 20 years or so, but... A lot of stuff has happened in the past, hasn't it? Uh, yeah. That's how history works. And then you have to go there afterwards and deal with it. Is that the future? So West Ham have done very well. Yeah. They've gone to a place where some stuff's happened before mm-hmm. and won. And done something else. Great. So, yeah, I did I did look it up. We last beat Arsenal at Ellen Road in November 2000, which was doing Jimmy Hasselbank's goal. Was the header? That, that the header. Yeah, so that was quite a while ago, and then but we did beat Man City as recently as 2004 when Stephen McPhail and Mark Viduka scored. So he's right. Practically yesterday. <laughs> more or less, more or less. And I'm sure Man City in 2004 were the equals of uh, the Manchester City now. Now, I'm, I'm mindful of the algorithm here when I say these words, but talk to me about dildos. Well, the offending dildo video was taken down. I didn't see it. I didn't see it before it was removed. You're a lucky man. But there was a dildo on a video okay. on West Ham Fan TV. Um, I mean, can you contextualise that? Because that could that opens up a world of possibilities. What was happening? I think I think it was just someone. Although it does raise the possibility, I think that someone has taken a dildo to Ellen Road to wave around. Well, they did it with that. Oh, well, Kevin it, Friend was there, wasn't the, he? Um, hey, there we go. Sky Sports on Deadline Day. People were was that Norwich? 
Well, it became a bit of a thing, didn't it, that people were smuggling sex toys into the background of transfer news stories. So I don't remember know. the algorithm, Moscow. Remember the algorithm. <laughs> Mr. YouTube's listening. Enjoy your dildo adverts, everyone. <laughs> Shad will sort the uh, algorithm out for us. So I think it was just that, that they were doing one of these fan uh, TV videos outside the ground. Somebody in the background was comically, in their mind, waving around a dildo. And then the person who runs the channel does a kind of a, it's the morning after they call it. And it's um, it's maybe an odd video because he, he looks like he's had a, a heavy night. He's been to Leeds the day before. It's a long way home. You're on a beige. And then he gets up in the morning and kind of he's crouching next to what looks like he's sort of his kitchen window in his backyard, like leaning against it. I don't know why he doesn't just sit on a bench talking into his phone. And he seems quite tired where he's doing like a, a, a next day discussion of the game. And, but the title of the video that, and what is dominating the conversation is uh, it's an apology video to all the people who it seems were so outraged by what they saw right. that the video had to be taken down. Okay. And here's uh, the apology. On Dam, Dom's fan cam, there was a, um, a guy that was um, that was branding around a, a sex toy in the background of the videos, and, and and I laughed and I uploaded the video and all that sort of stuff. And we see uh, quite a few complaints um, from people in the in the comments, and we always take you know advice and what the comments uh, do say, and um, I fully take that on board. People watch the channel with their children and. And everything else, so we will try and be more careful in future. Um, this channel is not really for children. <laughs> this one is. Uh, what, what, daddy, daddy, it's Cockney, isn't it? Daddy, what's that fella holding there? Yeah, wh- I've seen one of those. That? Why has he got that out of mummy's drawer? <laughs> yeah, you beat me to the joke, you wank. Sorry, uh, that's only that's only about 30 seconds out of what is a long, quite rambling, um. Apology is obviously taking it very seriously, but then after saying, you know, this channel is not really for children, <laughs> goes on to make the points that they do flag it as explicit content. Yeah. Um, but then goes from that to saying, but we might start thinking about making it more family friendly in the yeah. future. I don't know how much more fr- family friendly they can make it than well, not, people, not got, festooning the screen with People won't realise, though, you, you've got to grade how rude your video is like on YouTube. You've got to say, it's, has it got a bit of mild language? Like, They've just permitted the use of the word bitch, by the way, inside the first 30 seconds, because this is what the algorithm does. And shit. Yeah, and shit. So it punishes you if you use like naughty words in the first 30 seconds, but you can get away with a few Fs and Jeffs later on. Yeah, the, the Crufts podcast just breathed a huge <laughs> sigh of relief. <laughs> That, I feel like if it, if it could have gone on forever with that part, I've let myself down. It was like let that, me um, mother down. Still that, the queen mother. Was it, the, that, was it the little Britain sketch where they're doing the apology outside the front of the house mm. for the disgraced MP kind of thing? Yeah, that vibe. The, there's the right amount of defiance though, where he's kind of like, but, you know, it's not for kids. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it's flag for Connor. Maybe you shouldn't be watching it with your kids. And then... Say the flicking. Don't watch it with your kids. And like... <laughs> Keep getting drawn towards Mary Poppins here and Dick Van Dyke's accent when Moscow. I mean, can we say Dick Van Dyke? Is that family friendly? Are we going to have complaints? Oh, yeah. Goodness. Yeah, the algorithm. Dick Van shit, bitch. (laughs) You can say that, can't you? That's fine. (laughs) I think you can, yeah. Just not too often. uh, But short of the screen not being completely (laughs) covered in dildos on their next videos, and I don't know how many changes they need to make, stick to what you're doing. You'll be fine. 
Uh, is that it for West Ham then? Because uh, next on the sheet is Michael Owen, which has done the rounds, hasn't it? But um, for the benefit of anybody who's not uh, seen or heard this, talking about Elan Melier, which honestly, which if ever there was a, a clip that proves that punditry is just sitting in the studio and talking the f- bollocks <laughs> and saying the first thing that comes to mind, this is it. Even if he'd looked at the Wikipedia page, he would know this. You don't need to have done any actual research. You just need to have looked at his list of clubs very, very briefly. And, and, you, do, and you don't use Wikipedia for research. It was always one of the unwritten rules. In my old job, you don't rely on Wikipedia. You get secondary sources for stuff. <laughs> and when you listen to this, because in, in case people have just kind of seen that this has happened and have not heard it, there is a detail in here that takes it to the next level for stupidity. You know, I remember watching him when he was about 16 at Leeds Academy um, and he just looked the part. Leeds were dominating the game that I watched. So he hardly had a touch, but you know, you just see someone and think he's got a chance just by his appearance, the way he spoke. The way he, the spoke. Way he spoke. Who was he watching? Like Will Huffer, when he was in the Leeds Academy standing watching the under-18s play, he, he wasn't talking French, was he? Who does he think? Who does he think was there? So did he and say? Who does he think Melier is? Did he say when Melier was sixteen? Was it? Is that what he said? Yes. yes Which is be what four, five years ago? Right. Okay. I'm trying. I'm trying we did to... not have a French goalkeeper. No. No. Cer- no. Certainly not a one with such baritone either. <laughs> and I don't know if unless Bailey does... Pe- unless Bailey Peacock Farrell has got a real. But he's Northern Irish. Yeah. But that's the... oh no. Get that's, right. uh, that's the point with Owen that really takes it over. It's like, yeah, listening to him speak. Mm. And also, Michael Owen has not watched a single fucking game of <laughs> youth football. So pretend that he's watched that and Although, has remembered it. He he's, does, stretching, uh, he's stretching it so far. If you remember that Neville Southall video where he's smashing balls past a 14-year-old goalkeeper and Southall has to calm him down, maybe he does watch youth football just to imagine, oh, yeah, that's... How many goals I'd score past that little wimp? Right, can we um, trash Michael Owen some more? Because you've got more clips here. I mean, do we want to do we want to do it now or do we? Yeah, wanna... stick on him. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll we'll stick on Michael Owen then. I mean, he's got form for this. Is the the thing of of talking bollocks essentially? This one is a fairly famous clip of him. This is when he was was he still playing at this point? I feel like you'll know Moscow. Yes, he was. But he's been obviously paid by the Dubai Tourist Board or something to sit in a pretend helicopter doing a pretend flight over Dubai talking about the things he can pretend to see. Is he going, oh, big buildings, oh, look at the beach? Essentially, yes. But his delivery is so appalling and stilted that it just is, it's cringy. But it's worth digging out the full video of this, but this is just a little sample of, of some of the things that he says on it. And this is no ordinary chopper. It's got special powers. And once we're airborne, you'll see just what I mean. Are you buckled up and ready? Great. Let's go and see Dubai. It may look a bit small from up here, but it is quite large. Roger Federer and Andre Agassi actually played a game of tennis on it. And Tiger Woods stood on it and hit golf balls into the ocean. I'm glad they never asked me to play football on it. Now, let's go see where I own my apartments. My favourite place, Dubai Sports City. I'm throwing on the afterburners, so hold on. Hey, I think that's actually Sam Torrance down there, the ex-Rider Cup captain. Let's just drop down a bit to check. Sorry about that, folks. 
just a bit too low. The shatterproof glass came in handy, but I don't think Sam's going to be too pleased with his getting in the way of his drive. <laughs> Sorry about that, folks. Just a bit too low. We've killed a lot of civilians. <laughs> it's the, there's so many bad things about it. Uh, the afterburners just stay in my mind constantly. Like it's it, This has been around for years, and I dread to think how many times my brain has just gone, I'm throwing on the afterburners. <laughs> but it's not even that. It's, I'm throwing on the afternoons. And as well, the fact that it's obviously a, a clip meant for fairly wide consumption and it has to explain who Sam Torrance is. Just in case anyone watching the video doesn't, oh, doesn't it's, know, it's Sam, it's Sam Torrance, former, former Ryder Cup captain. Um, and here he is hitting a golf ball because he's a golfer, in case you also don't know what the Ryder Cup with is. A golf ball. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the donk is his, is his driver in the helicopter. In the case donk noise is in great. Case you hadn't pieced that together. I think storytelling. you're right, formerly worked in advertising person, Michael Normanson. Thank you for that. <laughs> Jesus, imagine what his, uh, his hot erotic chat's like, <laughs> if that's anything to go by. Thankfully, I hope we, it doesn't involve <laughs> helicopters. And I am now, anyway. ent- I am now entering the bedroom, sticking on the afterburners. <laughs> <laughs> Next, anyway, as a result of trying to find, I am getting the dildo from the drawer. <laughs> <laughs> as a result, actually, of trying to find his clip of him talking about Melier, I couldn't find. There was a longer one at some point. I was broken down. I couldn't find it anyway. But I did find that he is now the official ambassador for the Pakistan Football League. Were you aware of this? I am now. You are now. So this is him doing his little first introductory video to it. It's got a nice little Michael Jackson knockoff vibe to the music right at the start of it. But this is his um, his delivery has not improved very much. But here he is. Hi everyone, I'm Michael Owen, and you've just seen me sign a three-year deal to become the official ambassador of the Pakistan. Football League. Best wishes to all my fans in Pakistan. Stay tuned to Pakistan Football League. Football Poga. There we go. At least he's up front there. He says, you've just seen me sign a contract. Yeah. I am doing this for, for the money. money. <laughs> just, just in case you weren't clear, I'm not doing this because I like football or Pakistan. I'm doing this because they put this in front of me and it says I'm going to get £100,000 a year or whatever it is to do it. And it's such a Michael Owen sell that as well. It's like, I know what people will like to watch. They'll like watching me sign the contract. <laughs> I am contractually obliged to tell you about this clip. This one sounds intriguing because there's no detail here. He really knows his stuff. No blagging going on. Let's have a listen. It's very exciting that, that football, professional football is uh, is about to be launched in Pakistan. Of course, the country has... 220 million people, I think. So it's... Uh, Wikipedia again. It certainly has a lot of scope for, for having a successful league and a successful national team in the future. Uh, of course, those blocks have got to be built slowly and sustainably. Um, but I do think that it was about time that Pakistan had its own uh, football league. Football, of course, is the most popular game around the world and I think it's exciting for everybody I think the world will be looking in I think for for Pakistani people it will be very exciting to have their own league to have that competition to have that rivalry to uh to love the 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 team uh, from the city you're from so I think it's uh it's very exciting but obviously um it's very daunting in many ways as well that the league needs to be um run in the right way um for improvement to try to to uh (laughs) <laughs> to have so much excitement, but to be sustainable as well. So there's so many things to uh, to look forward to, but of course it's uh, it's a serious business as well. I wonder how many 
Pakistan League games he's been to. I would wager it's one at most when he's um, gone. He's gone as a VIP guest and then he's never been back. A man there fulfilling a word count. Oh, you, I mean, you've worked in radio, Dan. You, there must have been awkward bits where like a guest failed and you did fail to come on. And you had to fill like thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's the worst thing in the world. And you just yeah. you're just really talking, and he starts explaining the concept of football more or less. Going, it's going to be um, good to have football, and people will be able to go to games of a team in their city, which will be good and support them against someone else is it someone else and then there's going to be it's going to be hopefully the league will continue to be good the other thing that i picked up on it was he thought it was about time pakistan had its own league Mm. well that's an interesting aspect of this because for information this is happening within the last four days he has been announced as the the brand ambassador so this is brand new information but he is entering into a situation where the pakistan football federation have not been recognised for some time by FIFA who were telling them to vacate their headquarters um, and they've been running the Pakistan Premier League but now these guys have come along, it's a private company who are founding the Pakistan Football League trying to take advantage of this power vacuum in Pakistan's football structure to establish themselves as the, the dominant model So, but they're not technically like the so the old Pakistan Football Federation is still there and still ostensibly runs uh, what's going on. And then in the middle of it all, you've got Michael Owen <laughs> sort of inserting himself into this quite a complicated political uh, situation. Do you think he knows about that? To read to read pages of <laughs> bits of Wikipedia. Of course, I mean, everyone, I, I already knew, but it's 220 million people in Pakistan. It's, it's um, I don't know, again, just this off the top of my head, it's the 33, 30, I think it's the 33rd largest country by area. Uh, it spans some 881,913 square kilometres. Mm. Um, it's, it's got a big coastline too. It's um, Obviously, every, it's got like a 650-mile coastline. Well, I so. knew that, yeah. I mean, I am a... I, I will confess that reading this is off of Wikipedia, that was a Times of India story, I think, from the, the previous bit. But now just to check what's happening with the current season, March 2021, the PFF, uh, the Pakistani Football Federation's office, was attacked by its former president and his group, and the ongoing women's championship was cancelled. Uh, major clubs protested. And Michael Owen remember uh, seeing Elon Melier throw the first petrol bomb. One of the teams um, announced it was pulling out, and because of the attack, people lost control of the headquarters, and then FIFA imposed the suspension. This so is, no this is wild. He was possible in Pakistan, and the men's uh, Premier League was yet to start. But then the 2021 edition did start and has started. So it's currently, according to Wikipedia, it's like six or seven games in, depending who you are. Khan Research Laboratories are top. Unbeaten, they've won four, drawn three with plus 19 goal difference. So they're pretty well placed ahead of WAPTA. And then in third place is the Pakistan Air Force, who um, I don't know if... Uh, great, great bunch of lads, by the way. <laughs> well, I mean, they're doing better so far than the Pakistan Army, who are eighth, and then the Pakistan Navy are eleventh. They're in the relegation places, but it seems like quite a serious situation for Michael Owen to be turning up saying, "I've just signed a contract, and now there's going to be some football in Pakistan. There never has been before." They tell me. I thought it was about time they had it. Yeah. So I've, so I've, I've done it from. I've put some in from. Any sign of the old Pakistan Coast Guard there in the league, or? Um, Maybe the AA, the, the fourth emergency service? The Pakistan Civil Aviation of seventh. I mean, it, Michael Owen there was saying about 
you know, being attached to your city and things. These all just sound like other things. I mean, one of them's, what was it, Cannes Laboratories at the top? Mm. Yeah. Dancing and, in the streets uh, of Cannes Laboratories this <laughs> evening. Second place, Wapder FC is the, uh, well, it was founded as the football club of the Water and Power Development Authority. Right. Do you know, um, I feel like in listening to this, probably everyone now knows more about the league than Michael Owen does, <laughs> who, who doesn't know much True. beyond... The first line of Wikipedia, I think, is when it tells you the population of a country mm. and, the, uh, and how much he's getting paid. They're the two things he knows about it. The club badge for Wapder FC is a wonderful drawing of what looks like a hydroelectric dam and then um, a power pylon. Oh, so, lovely. That's good. It's pretty good. And nobody, you won't, the camera won't work, but I'll hold it up anyway. Blah, blah. It's got it. Yeah, it captures, I think that really captures the uh, the emotion and the spirit of being a football fan. But so. um, Yeah, and I will confess, all of this is two minutes on wikipedia trying to work out what the <laughs> hell's going on better than what we normally I, do <laughs> i do feel like i i've learned more about it than um, michael owen will probably ever know well let's close it out on steve nickel because i would love to know what steve nickel made of uh made of this because he would just t- well what would steve nickel say about the pakistan dispute in the football authorities he wouldn't even know would he there's no point what's the point of having a game it's yeah. too warm you've got the gas company playing the electric company what's that gonna prove Anyway, what's he doing this week? He's been talking about Spurs. He had a similar thing last year. I think this was around Liverpool's defensive crisis, actually, that you've that you've mentioned. Bear in mind, Steve Nicol was a manager for years. So as a manager, you get injury problems. You get maybe not the players you want, but you find a way around it, don't you? You've got to think, well, if we change formation, we can maybe bring someone from the youth team. We could drop yeah, them back you, into you, you, have, you have a handle on the challenges that the game presents. But as a pundit, He's quite fatalistic about things. So this is him talking about Spurs and, and how they can how they can get out of the this situation they're in. How was Spurs going to win again? Yeah. Because defensively, seriously, Sanchez and Dyer at the back. I think Yoris has passed his best. I think in the middle of the park, they can't stop anybody getting at that back line. And they certainly can't feed the forwards any ball. So what does the midfield do? They don't actually do anything. So why is Harry Kane not scoring any goals? Well, one, he's not playing centre forward. And two, he's now become the guy who's trying to orchestrate things when that's just not... He didn't make his name doing that. Sure. Yes, he had a spell with Young Min Song last year where it looked like this was a guy who could pick passes. But you know when you're expected? It's a completely different ball game. So... Arsenal, absolutely, there's a way out. Spurs, I don't see a way out. (laughs) Just swallow me up. The darkness needs to swallow me up. What I I find most interesting about that clip, because again, going back to the radio thing, is the introduction there of um, the musical bed that was faded up behind him. Whether someone in the gallery has gone, he's talking. In case he pauses, just pop like that disco bed on. Add some energy to it. They always do it with Steve. And just just in case, because he does do these really long, uncomfortable pauses when he's thinking, doesn't he? So someone in the background has gone, Quick, just just put that fader up. Oh, there we go. That'll add a little bit of energy to proceedings in case he stops, in case he loses his train of thought. And they've got like, what, 30 seconds in and go, oh no, he's fine. We'll just fade it back out again. He's absolutely fine. Good old Stevie. He makes life a joy to be around, doesn't he? And uh, improves the football world immeasurably. More than Michael Owen, I would say. Yeah, certainly. I mean, at least Steve Nichol doesn't pretend to know anything, does he? He doesn't, he doesn't claim to have any answers. What do you think of Elan Melia? I don't know. <laughs> I've not seen him. I've no interest in seeing him. <laughs> I hate football. <laughs> well, that's, that wraps it up for this week then, doesn't it? On propaganda. Hopefully we will have... I mean, where are Watford from? They're not Cockneys, are they? But they, the Watford gap always confuses me in relation to the North and the South. It's just... It's Hertfordshire, isn't it? Watford? 
Oh, we certainly are Cockneys. <laughs> and Watford's pretty, How dare what, you? Watford's pretty rough, in fairness. I think you're thinking more St Albans. I'm devoted bit... to my mother. <laughs> well, we will get more propaganda for you after Watford. And in the meantime, do check out the main show as well. That'll be appearing in your feed, YouTube and the audio apps. And we'll see you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. 